0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chobo Football Podcast. I'm your host, John Marco Cheng, and I'm joined by Alex.
1: Hi, Alex. Hello. I'm happy to be back.
0: I'm joined by Elastas.
2: Hi, our listeners.
0: And I am joined by Mark Kinyanjui, as usual. Hi, Mark.
3: Um, hi, guys. It's good to be back. Uh, let's hope we have fun together.
0: Okay, and I am also joined by Phil Nyaga. He's come back finally. Hi, Phil.
4: Um, Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. I've been following keenly on the other podcasts, and it's always good to share my points of view with other, other, other football fanatics. So, yeah, glad to be back.
0: Yeah, welcome back to the podcast. And before we, we, we start, don't forget to uh, follow the Touch like Maniacs, uh, .wordpress.com. uh They, they do a, a lot of the journalistic work. They basically do the writing part, which I don't like. <laughs> and <laughs> led by, by Mark Kinyanjui, and he's doing a fantastic job. So um, we'll just go straight to the Premier League, where we'll start with the biggest match. Um, Chelsea drew 0-0 with Tottenham Hotspurs. Um, Chelsea dominated the match, obviously, uh, 60.3% possession. Uh, they had more shots, of course, 13 shots to five. And they had the much larger XG, 097 to Tottenham 0.23, and the result means that Tottenham are now top of the league with 21 points ahead of Liverpool by goal difference. So, um, Phil, what did you think about the game, as a fan?
4: As, um, as you, you may or may not know, it, the the game represented uh, Abramovich's 1,000th game as Chelsea you owner. Know? And it's kind of coincidental how our best ever manager and our arguably our best ever player were involved as the managers. And of course, in Chelsea like fashion it had to end in a nil nil. So um <laughs> on a light, on a more serious note, I I think that Chelsea the game was there for Chelsea to take. Although I feel as if we weren't capitalizing on, on the chances that we create and so the openings that our Tottenham give to us. Um, but overall, we played well. I liked how even after Tottenham's good start, we were able to pick up the tempo and create chances, more so in the second half with Mason Mount and Abraham missing his crosses. I think that overall, um, especially in the second half when you started crossing the ball a lot more, um, we were. Uh, I think Lampard uh, failed to mention to Vanna that he should get into the box more. As a striker playing in the wing, I I assume that's your most important role, because uh, that would have given us the manpower to always have a. a, a a bigger goal threat in the box, yeah. but other than that, I was pretty happy with Chelsea's performance. Um, I'm happy that Pulisic is back and Havertz is getting minutes, and I think they're the ones who will mostly they'll be the players to play for us over the week over the Champions League game week to, uh, tomorrow. But I think Vanna needs that rest because he's played consecutive matches ever since the international break. And he looks jaded, a bit yeah. out of ideas. Um, and I think the rest will be good for him. But overall, I can't complain. Um, I think it was a better point for Tottenham because of how they didn't create much at all in the second. I even, I even read this stat that in the second half, they accumulated 0.00xg in the second half. So that goes to show how much Chelsea uh, contained Tottenham and also how Tottenham, uh, Tottenham approached the second half with a point in mind. But uh, a bit of a, a good game, a bit of a dull game, but no, no complaints here as a Chelsea fan.
0: Yeah, and um, I believe that Mourinho he lost um, both Premier League ties against che- against Lampard last season, and probably he was thinking that I I definitely cannot lose this this match. It's one of those. It's better to draw than to lose. Like you would rather just not go for the win, and and you could see it by guys like um, Sisoko was actually dropping in, into the back five and making it a, a back five actually, uh, the right center back, um, mostly to, to cover the, the runs from Timo Vanna. Um, of course, if he had that alleyway open with Rodon with his massive inexperience, uh, he would be terrorized by Werner in, in that game. But there was an offside goal uh, there was a goal which was disallowed for offside in the first half from Timo Vana, and I think it was
4: if, a great goal. Yeah, it was a great goal. Yeah, I it think uh, I, it came off Roden's mistake when he uh, tried to dribble into midfield and then got caught, and then we developed from there and scored a lovely goal, but it was cancelled. Um, I forgot to mention it's not like Tottenham play. I'm not here to bash Tottenham, but I think. Their man of the match was Ndombele, especially in the first half. He was so good to watch in terms of how he just decide to. Chelsea are, are pressing me. It's fine. I'll just go through that press with no issue at all. Um, so, that, for me, he was my player of the first half. Um, I also highlight Rhys James because I think he was Chelsea's best player in terms of us going forward in on the special on the right side. Yeah.
0: And actually, um Ndombele had six dribbles in that game. Which to be honest is <laughs> it's just mind blowing how how he's like um I, I remember I was talking with with Mark and, and you actually we we called him the, the press breaking machine and that's definitely <laughs>
4: what he is. True.
0: Yeah, okay. definitely right. played well. Yeah, definitely. So um let's move on to the next match. Um Southampton they managed to go two 0 up against Man United, but uh, as we all know when Jan Bednarek scores, they lose the match. Uh he he made it one 0 James Ordraus made it two 0 with a superb free kick. And to be honest, I think he might be the best set piece taker in the Premier League, but the substitution of Cavani completely changed the game. He he got an assist and two goals and he completely changed the game around. So um Man uh possession was 50-50. Um Man United had 15 shots, six on target, while Southampton had 10 shots and five on target. And Man United, of course, they had the better XG. They created more chances consistently throughout the match. They had 2.48 versus Southampton, 0.50. So um, Alex, what did you think about the game? Uh,
1: the, Southampton versus United was uh, a very sweet and uh, entertaining match towards uh, though I think United controlled the match from the They start to, for the the first like 20 minutes United were controlling the match, you could see the flow, the patterns on the pitch, but the moment they conceded the first goal from the corner kick, it's like they scrambled, no no patterns were being played. Yes, they created some chances, which came about by mistakes by them the Southampton goalkeeper, Alex McCarthy, but they failed to capitalize. Uh, of which there are things I was even surprised to see Bruno missing from a, a one foot away. And they called them a sitter. He missed a sitter. Even the commentator was surprised when he missed that one. But I think United played the, the most of the football. Just like the Gunnar Solskjaer said after the match, We controlled the match, but James ward happened because it's very hard to stop James ward because he's just too good on the dead ball. Uh, He's ranked as the best in the Europe's top five currently as the best dead dead ball specialist because he has netted like three this season, which were a thing of beauty to watch. I might blame David De Gea for the free-kick goal because David De Gea has been beaten twice in the same position in uh in the past two matches the Southampton and the UEFA Champions League match against the Istanbul Basaksehir the, the same same position whereby David De Gea try he, it's like he overtrust his wall and uh, the problem problem with that is that the the moment the ball goes up the wall and down, he is unable to save that ball because the space he has left on the right-hand side of his goal. Uh, But I think they played well. In the second half, the introduction of Edinson Cavani, uh, I think there is something wrong with Mason Greenwood. I don't just think it is the normal footballing ability, but uh, I think it is more personal. It is something getting into his head because he missed one of the clearest chances to be created in that match, which is uh, which is something he doesn't do. He never misses uh, to be precise because he takes like every chance he gets. But he missed an empty net. Uh, that's why I think Ole decided to bring in Cavani in the second half. Cavani was brilliant. Uh, United have been have lacked a centre forward, a natural centre forward in the in the past two seasons Though we had Romelu last season But he wasn't that little But the movement of Edinson Cavani Was very important For United in that match Because even the first goal When Bruno the, Took the shot The player closest to that ball Was Donny Vandabic But Cavani made a run from behind And came and headed into the back of the net I think it was a very brilliant performance and uh, United showed this spirit, fighting spirit. They never gave up. And uh, again, I just saw the leadership of Bruno on the pitch. He seems to be the captain of Man United more than Aaron Maguire on how he organizes the squad, how he's speaking. Because when Cavani scored the second goal, he went out to celebrate. But the thing Bruno did is pick the ball and called other, all the players not to go to celebrate but come back to the center pitch to start so we could find the winner. I think Bruno Cavani will be a very important player for United this season, in spite of his age years. The way Bruno describes him, he says that after training, instead of him leaving on his car to his house, he remains on the pitch to do more laps, uh, to improve his work rate, and I think it has been a, a great improvement to the Cavani who plays who played for PSG like two years ago because he was a bit lazy, but his work rate has up, and I think United are on the right way currently.
3: And before he goes on, um, I just want to sort of like, you know, he 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 made two valid points. Um, one is about Mason Greenwood. Um, that's before we carry on. Um, Mason Greenwood. Actually, ever since that incident, um, where he was he he broke um COVID protocols alongside Phil Foden, um, we all know what happened. I won't go much into into detail on that. Um, I think ever since, um, he's been affected a lot mentally uh, because um the English media has has been on his case ever since. Um, let's also not forget the fact that he actually lost someone who's very close to him. So it's also been affecting him a lot. But to be fair, I think the criticism has been way over the top. Um, because um, those two chances that he missed on another day, um, I think he could have buried them. Um, I think he is one of the the best, if not the best English prospects at the moment. So I don't know what the situation really is with him. I'd like to ask Erastus um, why he's not playing like like he normally does, or the, why he isn't showing the form that he showed, especially towards um, the back end of last season after lockdown?
2: I think Greenwood is just trying to adapt to now. He's, he's, he's now trying to focus on how to play as a forward. But the incident, I think he had a deep in confidence and he's trying to come back. I think the deep in confidence really affected him. And plus, he had that period of injury after that incident. I think Um, that's the main issue. um, What do you think about
3: the whole situation, JM? Uh, Because to be honest, he's really been... His form in front of goal and his form in general in terms of how he plays um has been raising a lot of questions recently um to the extent that he had to be hooked off at half time and under normal circumstances even towards the back end of last season he was literally one of um the best man united players he was literally carrying that team alongside bruno fernandes if i'm not wrong
0: um actually for for greenwood um i remember immediately after the incident like both of them Phil Foden and Greenwood, they weren't necessarily being picked at club level. So um, I I guess for Phil Foden, um, Pep put his arm around his shoulder more, as well as the English media didn't really target him as much. Like, you know, for, for Greenwood, he's being targeted till, I think there was an article released last week, or something. They were still talking about it, and to be honest, it's, it's just the English media ruining their own product, which to be honest, makes no sense.
1: Before we go on, after, after that incident in the, in Iceland, uh, it did not break into the big media houses, but Greenwood was also in another, in another scandal of smoking. Where, like two days later, he was found with his friend smoking. And uh, they are calling it a laughing gas. he was smoking something in the name of a laughing gas, which is uh, not allowed for a professional footballer. And uh, he he said he had no idea that it's not allowed for a professional footballer. Since then, then his best friend, his buddy from... Like seven years old, they were buddies from like seven years old. But his friend used to play for Manchester City. Committed suicide, uh, of which he even dedicated the UEFA Champions League goal against Leipzig to him. Uh, when he, he committed suicide, Greenwood has been having off, off, off. The United code, the the coach is giving him off days, and he's also going to some cancelling. I think with time he'll be back, though this time round he has to even fight harder because there is a, another right-winger being brought in January in the name of Ahmad Diallo. So he has to fight for that position because now him playing as the centre-forward, I think it will be a very hard hard competition because of the likes of Cavani-Marsial, of, of which Martial is being out, out out positioned by Cavani which I'm going I'm very confident it's going to happen in the next 2 or 3 matches. So Greenwood has to even work harder but I think he will be back. We'll see the old green. Yeah.
4: Okay, oh just a question, a question any you could answer though. Uh I, I'll target Alexander. Why do you think um that, okay, given how unpredictable uh, the season has been, that people are, like Man United fans especially, are so emotional whenever they lose or when they win. Because credit to Man United right now, if they win the game in hand, they go up to, if not to, I'm not wrong, they go up to oh, third. Oh, or top yeah. four, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. why is it that it's always such an emotional thing, especially when Manu lose? All of a sudden, it's all out. It's he's not good enough as a tactic, tactical manager, and yet, yeah. Manu are technically very what
1: consistent. Well, and, uh, United are so uh, yeah. United uh, I, I can say uh, comparing to this season. We are better off like than last season. Even though when we lose, it, it is not a matter of all out or all in. It's a matter of how we are losing the matches. The the uh-huh. the, the biggest the start the, the the way we lose matches, even the biggest problem is that we are losing the matches at home. We are not losing away. Now we are we have set a club record of eight away week straight wins, away straight win. In that period, we have played like seven home win- of home team home home games, and we have managed to win only two, drawing with West Ham and Southampton in the last season, and losing to Crystal Palace, Tottenham, and uh, Arsenal at home this season. Only winning against West Brom. The matter of which we are losing these matches. Against Crystal Palace, we lost 3-1. Against Arsenal, it is debatable because it was a penalty. But against Spurs. Who dares lose six against Spurs at home? Even if it was a red card, we could have just seated back and lost like 3-2 or or something like that. But the problem is that whenever we lose the uh, the team, it is like an unspirited team. There is, uh, I, I'm, I'm even wondering if one day, God forbid, but if Bruno gets a long-term injury, let's say like the one for Virgil van Dijk, we are doomed because you can see Bruno is the one who motivates those players to play. He's working harder than others. He's talking all the all the time because you can see like let me give you an example like the goal the Son goal at for the third goal. Uh Maguire mm-hmm. went out to, to cover Orier. And then Luksho was covering the Maguire position but what Luksho decided to do is to follow Maguire up there Bruno, Bruno and David De Gea were trying to call Luksho To stay on his position, not to move To cover Maguire And the moment Luksho moved Or he just picked the pass to look, to where Luksho was right was standing It's not a matter of how we are lo- or Of the number of matches we are losing or winning It's that how we are losing them We are losing so them in an embarrassing way we are conceding very, I can call them stupid goals. Like the goal we conceded against Istanbul, Basaksehir away, then Baba goal. Who, uh, the whole team was, there was no one left at the center line. <laughs> even if it's a corner, there is always two players left at the center line. That is not a, something which the manager should tell his defense. It is a, something you know, even mm, a, a, high school, a high school student, knows but i think we are on the right way
4: it almost sounds as if it's not uh it's not an issue of the loss it's just the fact that the performances are inconsistent right
1: yeah we are losing Um, in a very terrible manner you can see the team is not spirited when they lose that's why you can hear people saying ole out or ole in because whenever we lose and my biggest problem is with ole is when we play at home he tends to have this, There is a, an, I think it's an iPad attached to the side of his seat. He never stands at, at Old Trafford. But when we play away, he's always on the touchline, talking and doing stuff. But at home, he's always relaxed. The people who talk is McLaren and uh, Mike Phelan on the line. That is the work of the manager. Managers like Klopp, they don't sit. Gelson never sits. Always complaining. We are winning five, but he's complaining. He needs the team to perform more, but Ole, we are losing, but he's still sitting. That is the problem with Ole at home. But when we play away, I'm always happy, playing (laughs) away. Nice. Thanks
4: for that. Okay. And,
2: yeah? For me, I can say, you see, Ole is like a reactionary manager. Like, Mm -hmm. you see, like, this game for Southampton, it's like he just told the players, just go and play second half, he changed the game because you see, he reacted to that game because we are 2 nil down. But for United, you are considered because of the goals in set pieces and while you are while you're in transition most of the time. That's the problem. But overall, I think you have really improved, especially after losing against Crystal Palace. I think you have really improved on really, the especially on the counter attack. I think you have really improved with with Cavani being introduced at the centre forward, I think we have improved.
0: Yeah, um, I I also think that Man United, all that they need is a bit of consistency in their performance, um, and also not to rely on a single player, much like the team which we'll be talking about next, um, Leeds beat Everton at Goodison Park, with the only goal coming from Rafinha. Uh, to be honest, this game was perhaps uh, the most end-to-end with the keepers. Both, both keepers actually, I, I think they must have had like their best performance of the year. Um, Leeds had more possession, uh, 58.2%, to Everton's 41.7%. Um, they had more shots, 23 to 15. Uh, though Everton had eight shots on target to Leeds' seven, but Leeds had an xG of 3.11, and I have no idea how Pickford kept it at one. But it was a miracle, to be honest. Um, this match was was it was fun to watch, but uh, Ancelotti made a few questionable selections in including Iwobi at left wing back after he did well at right wing back last weekend. Uh, Tom Davies was at right wing back. Um, but for Iwobi I read an article uh at some point in Arsenal, I'm not sure if it's in the youth system. Um he played at right wing back at some point. So at at least like yeah, he was true. kind it's of used to yeah, so at least
3: yeah. he, he was kind which, of used to it. Yeah, which is true. But now, yeah, um, um yeah. yeah, um, about about the U O B situation playing at right wing back, it's true because especially uh, back then when long before the Champions League, um, and youth Champions League, um, tournament was created. I think it was created at the start of the thirteen fourteen season. That goes. Mm-hmm hand-in-hand hand with the sort of like um, the Champions League format. Um, he The one before that used to be called the Next Gen Series. It only existed for like one season in 2013 or 13, 14 I don't really remember. But he used to play right wing back a lot. Um, and it's a position he was actually very... Um, you know, successful in. Uh, That's before Andras Jonka came in and sort of like converted him into a sort of like um, winger, sort of like inside forward. And that's how he broke into the first team.
0: Yeah, Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Um, So basically, um, I'll talk about this uh, from from Everton's uh, perspective. On the left, you had Iwobi and Richarlison who are trying to cut inside. Hammers on the right is trying to switch the play, but no one is overlapping because Iwobi obviously wants to cut inside alongside um, Richarlison. And he ended up uh, being in a much deeper position uh, compared to Tom Davies, who was the more offensive wingback. Um, Abdoulaye Dukoura had a huge chance in the first half, but Melier was absolutely on fire But um, if he raised it just a bit, he probably would have gotten it through. Then perhaps the most frustrating thing is that in the second half, Leeds, they just took control of of the game. Uh, Calvin Phillips, he he absolutely ran the game. Uh, Dukure, he started missing easy passes. And what was the final nail in the coffin was when Delph was brought in. When Delph is brought into the game, as, as I call him, Mr. The basics of football, like, like the game is over. You <laughs> won't win that much. So, um, Erastus what did you think about the game? Uh, what did you think about Leeds with their first win in a while actually?
2: Yes, I know, it's a first win, like, after four games. The, uh, they earned their first win in four games by beating Everton. I think Leeds played a fast-flowing play football, and the game seemed like a basketball match. Yeah. Especially, you see, even the defensive midfielders were getting shots. But what what made Leeds not to score is the poor finishing. I think if they had a good striker, they would have finished those chances. But Everton, their defence... The defense were, were showed it is very open and they can be easily open. But the likes of you know, Calvin Phillips, you see Calvin Phillips plays like a, like an NFL quarterback. I've never understood how he plays that guy. It's like he's given a specific position, but they were very good. It was a very entertaining game to watch, even though it was one nil game. It was very entertaining. It was the first time Ancelotti and Bielsa were, were meeting. Even Ancelotti was forced to use a 3-4-3 three for three formation during the game. Now, Iwobi, Iwobi and Tom Davis were playing like wingbacks so that they can maintain possession. And at Everton seemed Everton looked very threatening on the counter, but Leeds finally broke the deadlock through Rafinha.
0: Yeah, and it was a beautiful goal, to be honest.
2: He had like thirteen shots on target, the most in the Premier League this season.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, I and that, and there was a header by Jack Harrison which hit the post. Which which, to be honest, if he's if he's a striker, that's definitely going in because he'll head it back across the keeper instead
1: of aiming at the near post
4: yeah john mark now uh where do everton go from here because like i think it's if i'm not wrong four losses in the last five matches and yeah after the first after getting 13 points out of 15 in the first five matches so where do everton go from here okay so
0: um it's it's a difficult uh, position for Ancelotti, I believe. Um, at first, uh, he was playing there for three-three with with James on the right wing, but I think he he realized the that he was doing too much defensive work and it was holding back the offensive work of Dukure, who, like we saw last week against Fulham and this week, are uh, the, the the weekend which has just passed uh, against Leeds, he makes those runs into the box. And you know, when he's at the right center mid trying to cover for both Coleman and James, uh he can't necessarily do that as much. Um, but you know, it's difficult for Italo since He's also lost uh, Luca Dine for two to three months. Uh, he had his surgery yesterday and Coleman, I think he'll be back in a couple of weeks. And he basically doesn't trust Nkunku, which, to be honest, I don't know why, but of course he he sees him day in, day out. He knows how he trains, how he'll function. Um, And also John Jokiani, he doesn't really trust him. I think the switch to a back three is, it's a decent idea, but um, Alan... Yes, he, he has the legs, but his age might be a factor here since um you don't r- really want him to patrol as much at the age of 29, especially with Bukure just flying forward. And also it, it helps to mm-hmm. to cover the defensive frailties at the moment of Ben Godfrey. Of course, he's 22, he's young, but he's extremely fast and... He can, he can carry the ball from defense. So I, I think um, Ancelotti he definitely needs to start trusting the youth more. Um, there is this campaign uh, within Everton fans who are wondering why Anthony Gordon isn't getting picked at all, especially when Richarlison got the three match ban, and we still don't know why since he didn't play for the under twenty threes. And he didn't play against Leeds, so um, it doesn't look that good for Everton. Considering the next few matches, I remember we are facing Arsenal. We're facing Man City at some point.
4: That sounds that sounds good to me. Yeah. The, the Arsenal match. <laughs> <laughs> but we
0: we have no idea if if they'll have a reaction. To be honest um they are also missing uh an essential cog in 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 thomas party so it means the the midfield might not be intact as much um but it's it might be a a good match, but the rest of the matches don't don't look
1: good at all. As nice. much as we say, as much as we say, Arsenal are missing Tomas Pate currently. But uh, last season when Ateta had uh, Granit Xhaka and he was performing, but currently they are not performing. Nani, Tomas Pate has just come in this season. He has not even played more than five, six matches. But the players he had last season are still there. He should at least have uh, some decent, decent performances. Even if they are not perfect performances, you should see some fluidity in the team, some patterns. But there are no more patterns like the way we they were starting a goal from the keeper making like 30, 25 touches of the ball till Aubameyang buries it on the other side. I think there 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 is something more to what we are seeing with Arsenal.
4: Yeah. So um. But- Okay, just before you transition, I, I feel like, now bringing back to Everton, like the final thing, I feel like they almost seem like a Leicester from last season. Things will get a bit worse before they get better. Because now with the missing of essential players, I think going to three at the back um, just gives us defensive solidity, as now Everton... Breathe through this tough period. So, like, I hope it goes well for them. I look forward to seeing them. But
0: yeah, but the 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 benefit is that we are we are we are no longer bottom in in terms of the goals conceded. We only fourth from bottom.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's a win for me. That's a win.
0: <laughs> Alongside Liverpool, you know, we aren't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, nice. <laughs> we'll we'll just go to the Arsenal match um, Arsenal lost 2-1 against Wolves um, with the goals coming from Pedro Neto uh, Gabriel, he made it 1-1 in the 30th minute but um, Podence with some brilliant skill made it 2-1 for Wolves um, Arsenal dominated possession of course as Wolves would have wanted um, 56% possession and um they they had wolves actually uh created the better chances with 2.01 xg compared to arsenal's 1.12 uh arsenal had more shots uh 13 to 11 but wolves had five on target so um mark what did you think about the game
3: oh yeah so um okay Watching that game was, from an Arsenal um, fan's point of view, was painful to watch. Um, if you are a neutral, um, you'd be very proud of how Wolves played, especially in that first half. Um, I think with us, with us, I'll 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 speak first about the game before I I speak about the problems that we have because now I've been doing our problems for the last like three weeks now in a row and I'm sort of like starting to get tired of speaking about us and all. But in the first half, um, wolves came with a game plan. Um, okay. Personally, I thought they'd struggle um, reverting to a back four, but it turns out by reverting to a back four, because part of the reason they reverted to a back four is because Konokodi last week was ruled out um, with COVID last week or two. So they had to, you know, sort of like change their system. But changing from a back three to a back four means they've had to sort of like bring in an extra creative player and it's working wonders for them going forward. Um they are very sort of like you know, they were energetic when they were pressing. They were pressing even higher up the pitch than when they play in a in a three because they had an additional advanced playmaker. They added bodens to bodens as the one to drift between the lines and sort of like Pedronetto and Adama Treore to provide the width. Um, they pushed her as high up. Um, we, they were forcing us not to spring three passes together. I am sure um, their PPDA, even though I've not had a look at it, was, was you know, um, our PPDA was very small because maybe, um, I, I'm sorry, their PPDA was, was superior to ours because for every, like, three, four matches, passes, we were... Pulling together. They were pulling a defensive action and taking us off the game. We couldn't cope with their tempo. Um, we are we I think we've been trying to sort of like hold our shape too much with the midfield pivot that we have of Jaka and and Sebayos and to the point that you know we are having to drop deeper, so we are not pushing high up. We're not pressing like we can. So that means um, they were the ones who are playing like they were the home side. So um, we couldn't cope with their pace. Um, Codent was brilliant. Um, Pedro Neto was providing the width. In fact, he was man of the match. He had a field day. Bellerin had a had, a, had an evening to forget uh, because he was constantly being taken on by, by you know, Pedro Neto. Neto was constantly whipping in crosses with that sort of like left-hand side of his. He actually netted the opening goal, which was very painful to watch. Um, and we were very lucky, by the way. Um, and what was worrying is that, you know, they did all this without Raul Jimenez, who had to be rolled out after two or three minutes with... You know with a fractured skull and we hope he's okay wherever he is right now Um, that's what was worrying they were far superior to us um, and as the game continued I even started asking myself questions comparing Arsenal's score to Wolves score, and I sort of like came to find out that at least 8 out of 11 players would walk into Arsenal's team and start which is really sad. Um, I think Ateta is being forced to set up in a way that, you know, he's he he doesn't want to set up the team. Um, Alex was making a point um recently on text that, you know, um when he was at when Ateta was Man City Assistant Manager, maybe he was the one working on the defensive side of things and you know Pep worked on the attacking side of things because we've become very pragmatic, should I say. Um, but in, in his defence, at the same time, I'm having to see the players that he's having to work with because in that XI that started on Sunday, um, other than Gabriel and William, the rest are unai Emery slash St. Venga signings. So he's he's sort of like having to get the best out of what he has. And I read an article somewhere that you know that midfield of of Jacque and Dani Ceballos, um, you know they are they like to drop deep. Um, they prefer being deep line creators, and their game is not built around running, so that means we don't press. Like, the way against Man United, Adam, midfield pivot of party and El Neni. You saw El Neni pressing constantly for 90 minutes. He even sort of, like, ran 90 yards, I mean 60 yards, sorry, um, towards the end of that game. So, that means we don't have players who can sort of, like, press when you don't have the ball. So, we are having to sort of, like, hold our shape, and... A team as energetic as Wolves um, took advantage, and rightly so. And even the second half, when we started dominating possession, it's because they decided to drop deeper intentionally. And, you know, we've struggled against this sort of like low block sides because we don't have a player who drifts between the lines. We don't have creative players, which makes them, even though I am all for for even though I'm not a fan of Ozil um, a lot, especially off the ball, um, that decision to sort of like leave him out um makes him makes a tighter look even um for lack of better words. Um, it's making him getting more scrutinized even more because um, you can't have a generational talent who's won a World Cup like Ozil, even though he's not the player that he once was, and he's not good enough to make us an all 25 month squad list, especially when we need players to sort of like make things happen, like Bruno for Man United or even. Um, Kevin De Bruyne at times for Man City, even though this season he's not been the player he has been, or even Ziyech for Chelsea or Havertz or even Mount. So a lot of questions have to be asked. Um, it goes down um from Ateta um to the playing stuff as it is because these players aren't good enough as it is. Um, yeah, it was very painful to watch from an Arsenal's fans' point of view. But if you are Wolves fan, um, you I, I think you you would very much have been happy to go home with the three points because it was deserved because they showed good man management.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'd like to add is it's it's amazing to me and uh, Mark, you could comment on this on how um, Arsenal insists, as you said, on the double pivot of Jacques and Sebaeus, who are deep lying playmakers, and yet they could they couldn't play in. I I didn't get to why Obama wasn't instructed to running behind perhaps among the slowest centre-back partnerships in the league. I I don't think Cody is quick at all. Bully is physical, a physical runner, but not uh, particularly quick. So I, I, I was wondering as to how, first of all, how instead of trying to beat the press, they go above it and try and get Obama in behind or even or even how Wolves, um, despite playing 4-4-2, they are still allowing Dendonka to make runs into the box, leaving Motini yeah. in, in the midfield. So even now, I was wondering, how is it that with Willock and his energy and Ceballos and yeah. Jack, that especially True. in the first half, Arsenal are being run over? So what what do you think about that?
3: Okay, to be honest... Um, even when the lineup was announced, um I went to social media and said that I wasn't happy at all with that lineup because that midfield three of Joe Willock, Grand Jack and Danny Sebios. yes, I understand circumstances forced him to to line up like that against Leeds United uh because El Neni was self isolating from Covid and but it turns out his thigh injury is worse than first fear that means he's now out for six months, which is you know frightening from an arsenal fans point of view because we don't really have he's options. out for but six months like, sorry. sorry he's out yeah, for six I months six weeks sorry six, oh. we- six, weeks. Oh. Sorry. six weeks yeah <laughs> um so um okay personally i was in touch with that lineup to be fair because jack and Sebios, they like to drop deep they are they are they are not runners they don't like to press like you know and like a party, and they lenny would um But at the same time, I was in happy because I, when I saw that lineup, I knew Dendonka would start making runs because he's a player who is very energetic. He's a box to bo- he, you know, he's versatile. He can play centre back At the same time, he's he can play as a defensive midfielder and even as a box to box player because he's mm-hmm. that's why he was making those runs because Jaka doesn't have the speed and sort of like track those runs. So that means the Dendonka was sort of like having a field day. Um, personally, I'd have played Joe Willock as a number eight alongside um, one of Jacken Nsebayos. I don't think Jacken Sabayos as a pivot can cut it. I think um, he has to sacrifice one of them um, because both of them are very similar players, except they are, one is right-footed and left-footed, and they want to sort of like do the same thing. So that's why Dendonka was sort of like making those free runs, because we didn't have the legs in behind uh, mm-hmm. to sort of like track his runs. Um, I would have played Joe Willock as a number eight, uh, because he is exiled in the Europa League there. And I thought Ajeta would learn from the mistake he made against Leeds, because lack of athleticism meant, Um, Leeds totally dominated us with those sort of like passes from Klitsch, they ran us over, and that's the same thing that happened. So I don't know why he didn't decide to play him as an eight alongside Granijaka or or Sebayos, one of each, uh, and sort of like play a player that sort of like drifts between the lines, maybe um, or even play 4 for 2 because Aubameyang was very isolated. Aubameyang is very similar to Timuvana in that, and his game heavily relies on on athleticism, pacing behind and goals. He's not the type to sort of like hold up the ball. In as much as Alexander Lacazette has been out of form, um, I think his best performances come when he plays with a with a striker. Um, I think Ateta should have played he and Lacazette together. Um Eve, if, because um, there is no other option, given Emil Smith-Rowe, yes, he did well in the Europa League coming on in the last 15 minutes, but he's not much fit yet, so they don't want to risk him. That's why I'm saying that situation of sort of like ostracizing Ozil completely, um, even though it's for so-called footballing reasons, even though there are a lot of non-footballing reasons, looks stupider by the day, you know. And I think I think um Achete is having to work with what he has. Um, um, but at the same time, there are errors that he made that he could easily have avoided. And um, those are the ones that I've mentioned. That's why Wolves had a field day. And that's why I've said it was very painful to watch from an arsenal point of view.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I clarifies a lot. So, okay, awesome. before we move on, just one more um quick question. Quick question. So for Mark, do you think that going forward, maybe not in the NLD, uh, the, the North London Derby that's coming up, but do you, would you think Arsenal will profit from playing 4-4-2 with um, as a C-Bios or a Willock next to a party? Because party excelled, as you all know, in that system. But it would give Arsenal options in terms of um, they may not have creativity in terms of uh, one person but they have the numbers to go forward quick question quick answer
3: um, okay I think that's an interesting question because um, okay I was having a look at our lineup as it is um, and I was saying by the 64th minute of the game on Sunday it was Bukayo Saka, um, Joe Willock and Rhys Nelson who are feeding Aubameyang Yes, these are talented players coming through the academy and yes, they have a bright future, but it's so sad it had to come to that given. Um, We don't have sort of like, our experienced players aren't good enough to sort of like mentor these kids coming through the academy. Um, You know, so that means a relative lack of experience at Premier League level. Um, sort of like didn't give us the edge against wolves. Um, it might sound insignificant, but it's the fact of the matter. Given that um, we didn't, we don't have any more options. Um, and at the same time, at the same time, in as much as Ateta doesn't have the players that he needs, um, like for instance, um, he was saying that he needs three windows or four windows, which is true because we take forever, sort of like by the. Players we need. Like in the summer, we were sort of like linked with Jose Moa and Thomas Pate all summer. Yes, the Pate deal was um went through, even though it was. At the very last minute of the window, which is sad to see, um, given we had to activate the release clause forty-five minutes before the window shut. And but or we were linked with him all summer and we went home empty-handed. We didn't even have a sort of like backup plan um for saying like in case OA doesn't work, there is so um as a backup uh, backup plan. and if Salzburg um refused to let him go, there is maybe like Boendia. We didn't There wasn't a clear plan over there as to who who were our backup options, which is sad to see. Um, But at the same time, Ateta as well isn't learning from his mistakes. He might turn out to be a good manager, yes, but given he doesn't have experience at any other level at a lower tier club, he's making very silly mistakes and he's, you know, he's very stubborn um, in the sense that he's not learning from them. Um, Yes, it's unfortunate that Thomas Partey is out injured, which is, you know, we wish him all the best and it's going to hit us hard. And, you know, good to see that Elneny is back, Um, even though at the start of the season, no one fancied him, but, you know, he's proved a lot of people wrong. But I think what he should do um, given the players that he has to work with, is sort of like maybe play as a bios with an energetic player like a Willock or an Elneny to sort of like balance the books. Um, in the North London derby, um, Spurs don't like to press high up, but, you know, they have a superior score to ours, in all honesty. And Mourinho likes to hold his shape. So I think the honours on that day should be to sort of like play energetic players to sort of like um, press high without the ball um, and sort of like capitalize on the chances we get. Uh, Because if not, um, you know, this sort of like I said spurs will come at us and we'll be made to pay because I saw somewhere that someone like Son Hyun Min has only like an XG of sort of like... 2.3 or 3.2, I don't remember, and he already has nine goals. That goes to show you how clinical he is in front of goal. And if we m- keep making these same mistakes, that's what will happen in the Northland and Derby. And if we lose that game by at least two goals or one goal or something, Ateta people will, a lot of people will be calling for Ateta's head. So, you know, it's not looking rosy for Arsenal at the moment.
2: For me, I think Arsenal should just stick with Arteta. You know, it's like they, they, are, they are in a transition from, from being a, they were a, a performing inside they went to be, they were not performing, now they are, they want to be a, a big team. I think a is the man to still take them to the top, but they need time But a should now start, we should have a plan now on how to play, not every time is changing how to play, like, you know, players should know how they are going to go to that match. Exactly. I think that's a change in how exactly. he does his exactly. things but like every game you have a different way to play like you have the specific exactly. principles on how to play i think as exactly. an will start performing
3: exactly because even of late he's been setting up he's been setting up that the, the site um ag- you know um he's been setting up the sides um you know, with with relation to the strength of the opposition, which shouldn't be the case, which is sad to see. And that's why he needs to learn from his mistakes as soon as possible. And this is his first job, so he's learning on the job. And that means, unfortunately, he's having to make very many mistakes that he should be learning from as soon as possible. And he needs and he needs to sort of, like, learn from his mistakes and stop being stubborn um, like he's shown he can be.
0: That's move on to the La Liga. Um where in, in other results um Sociedad drew one one with, with Villarreal to ensure that they are still on top. But the game which we'll focus on is Atletico who beat Valencia and they continue their tough run of results this season. Um, after some some issues in the transfer window where they had to let go of so many players. Um, This this lineup honestly doesn't look like Valencia side, which can challenge for a European spot. They actually, at the moment, they're 14th with 12 points and zero games in hand. While Atletico, they're now uh, second with 23 points and with two games in hand um on sociedad who are on 24 points so um the the only goal came from uh, lato on goal in the 79th minute but uh basically this game in the first half it was um at atleti they they had domination of the ball but they didn't necessarily have the attackers to break down valencia um, I remember uh, Thomas lema had uh one or two shots from around the 18-yard line, and they were brilliantly saved by 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 Dominic. So um Jean Felix came in and he really changed the game, to be honest. Um and also Yannick Carrasco. Uh, it was his cross which went in off the left back. So um to be honest, I'm um, seeing Valencia. It's just so sad from those days of David Villa, David Silva, Juan Mata, Joaquin, Like that side was so fantastic. Um, so, Alex, what did you think about the game?
1: Actually, the way the way Simeone said that game starting with the likes of Tom Alema and Correa uh, front. I think it is a little bit wrong, even though he was resting Yanni Carrasco and, uh, and Joe Félix. I know he was he had Bayern Munich in mind before he went into that match against Valencia. The good thing about Atletico is the way they are not conceding goals. Atletico, I think they are only conceded twice in the league. Yeah. Going back into a back three, whereby a back four was you are unable to break down Atletico on a back four. I don't think you will be able to break them down on a back three because there is an extra defender there, of which Atletico defenders are very disciplined. The match started well. Thomas Lemar took very good shots. They they were showing the they were showing that they were into in to win the match. I thought they were going to win it by more than one goal, uh, but when he brought in Yanni Carrasco and uh, Joe Felix, they really changed the match. They were really good because they started creating chances. So they were not. They were not clear-cut chances, but the pace of Carrasco was really was really a problem for Dani Vaz uh, Even that cross, actually, I did not understand how that left back scored. Uh, an on goal because the ball was way out of his of his of of, of the it was not even close to the net because he's, he he scored an on goal, you might have thought it was a winger waiting, waiting for the ball on the far side uh, he yeah. was even surprised when the ball ended up in, to the back of his own net uh, I think Atletico are playing really good football they are going to Challenge for that title, and I'm happy to see uh, at uh, Jano Black 100 112 clean sheets in 200 matches. That's not a job. Oh man, that guy is, uh, is in a level of his own because every time he faces shots, he tends to put them away. Good punching, he's always on top, he never makes mistakes. In like all the keepers I've watched in the world, they have always. There's, a keeper was made a mistake by either kicking, king, kicking the ball to, to an opponent or punching the ball into the middle like the way Mark complains about Ben Leno, you would find that problem with Oblak. He tends to punch the ball out of his box or into a corner corner position, but I think Atletico are really in the right way. This season, I, can, I give them heads up for the title. Because uh, Real and Barcelona are a bit shaky by the time they wake up I think a athletic will be quite fast.
3: yeah and, and a little yes. bit to add on that to add on that a little bit, um I think in general, I think the fact that you know they're playing more expansively means they are playing more to sort of like Asia or Felix's strengths of sort of like carrying the ball forward, drifting between the lines, um you know. Um, you know, seeing between the lines um, being an actual goal thread like he was when he was at Benfica, I think they are playing to his strengths and in sort of like hindsight, I think um, the addition of Luis Suarez has sort of like in a way revolutionized for lack of better words um, mm. revolutionized how they want to play. Um, I think the fact that he's come from a team that plays so expansively or, or are used to sort of like, you know, putting their you know um putting their owners as a dominant side in barcelona and even liverpool under Brendan Rodgers i think he sort of like changed how they are playing because Simeone, in short, has had to sort of like change the way he plays to get the best out of these two players. I think that's why they're sort of like getting better. And for the first time, he's sort of like tactically versatile. At times, you've also seen him playing a back three, even though we've been used to seeing him playing his rigid 4-4-2, which has been a success. But at the same time, um, the fact that it's been set up to be a mid-to-low blocker, sort of like, sort of like you know... Um, made the players not express themselves as much i think that's why they are better right now given they have players who um wired to play expansively don't you think that that's the sort of like case that has also helped their course
0: yeah 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 of course um i think that n- not most teams expect at atleti to attack them but uh yeah. You could see how, how much uh, Joe Felix last season was really suffering with a very defensive system. Um, this season, he already has five goals in the league, and I believe he's he's really benefiting from basically having his teammates around him. Actually, in, in all competitions, he has seven goals and two assists in 10, 10 starts, which, to be honest, is it's it's very good considering his first season. Um, it's not what we would have expected from Atleti. Uh, Simeone is showing that he can do more than just defend. And I think it's a sign of a truly great manager. Like at, at some point I saw him as the Spanish Sean with who just has, who's just better at it. But um, he's, he's proving that he can do more. So, moving on to the Serie A where Sassuolo were beaten by Inter 3 0. Um, the goals coming from Alexis Sanchez. Um, I'm sure Alex is squealing in his seat. Um, and <laughs> an own goal from, 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 from Kirishes and uh, Roberto G- Gagliardini. Made it three 0 in the sixtieth minute. Um, Sassuolo dominated the ball with sixty-five percent of possession. Of course, uh, Inter were effective on the counter attack. They they had a total of eleven shots compared to Sassuolo's thirteen. They had four on target compared to Sassuolo's three, and they had the much better xG one point five zero to Sassuolo's zero point seven five, and to be honest like this is the first match of Sassuolo that I've watched and I was utterly disappointed to be honest um this is the second big team truly big team that they faced uh they beat Napoli 2-0 so um mm-hmm. what do you think went wrong with Sassuolo and actually I, I think uh this kind of a TIFO cast like TIFO once they review your team they tend to lose the next few matches. Uh, it happened with Southampton; they lost to Man United. They did it with Everton. Then that's when <laughs> we had our boys run. They've done it to solo, and they've lost their first game of the season. <laughs> so, um, Mark, and they
3: also did it with they also did it with Arsenal, by the way, if I'm not wrong, because they did a podcast of on Arsenal after. After the season had ended, and now you see how badly we are playing.
0: Exactly. So, other than the T4 uh, what happened yeah. to Sassolo in this game?
3: Um, I think individual mistakes cost them the game, um, in all honesty. Let let me just put it at that. Because um, even for like the first goal, um, it was a situation where um Latoro Martinez pressed I um but yet, to be honest, um Ch- Chichres, is it his game? Huh? Ch- What's the... Kirikesh, the... Vlad Kirikesh. Sorry, I've never really known how to pronounce that name. I think he had a game to forget because um, I remember if it wasn't him or Ferrar, one of them was sort of like pressed by Latero Martinez. Um, and then Ladoro Martinez sort of like ran with the ball and then he sort of like got distracted by the goalkeeper. So um, he had to sort of like dribble past the two defenders who had sort of like, you know, recovered the run to make up for the error. And then um, he sort of like passed the ball across to Sanchez, who found the back of the net for the first goal. Uh, and then for for the second goal, if I'm not wrong, it was it was a set-piece. It was a set-piece situation where... Um, Alexis hit the ball, hit the the corner kick and then um, um, Vidal got on the end of that ball and then cut it back and then um, unfortunately Kiriches sort of like put it into his own goal. So that was a sort of like set-piece situation. That's another individual mistake as well and then for the other goal if i'm not wrong it was called by gagliardini who made G- gagliardini who sort of like made that sort of like late run into the box from a matteo damian cross who i have to say had a good game um the so called um united reject right? even though he didn't get a lot of game time he was really inconsistent when he was at united he had a good game here um but basically in my opinion i think M. Um, um, had one made to pay for the mistakes that they made. I think they were lapsing in concentration a lot. I think um they crumbled under under the pressure that you know was being subjected to them. Given e had they won this game, they'd have gone top of the league a bit for like two hours before. Um, AC Milan played Um, so right now they find themselves five points off the summit and otherwise they'd have been two points off the summit Um, had they won against Inter who have been fairly inconsistent this season Um, but credit to Inter Milan because even though they weren't um, dominating possession as you would expect of um, counter side um, what happened is that They were very effective at sort of like scoring the few chances that they got. Um, They were creating a lot of chances from long balls. Um, You know, they sort of like targeted that sort of like right hand side, um, that sort of like right hand side because they were sort of like using. Um, Perisic and Damian as outballs. Um, we know how they like to play. They like to use the wing back to sort of like stress the play and sort of like create chances. Um, that's why even Marcos Alonso was so successful under Conte when he was at Chelsea. So Damian had a good game. Um, you know he actually assisted, um, Gagliardini's goal. Um, for for the for the that goal. Um, he made the late run and then he sort of like netted the goal. Uh, but. Yeah, I I don't think I have much to say about Sassuolo other than that their mistakes cost them that game, and it's something they have to work on. They need to concentrate more. But the good thing about Syria is that every team has an identity. So even though um, Zasolo, um are not the type of team that will you know press a lot, they like to dominate possession. They dominate the ball, but with a relatively low tempo, should I say? Uh, but um, the positives that I'll take out of Sassuolo is that um their main man um that is Locatelli um I think he continued to show how good he is um you know Locatelli I think is a player who personally if I was asked I'd have taken at Arsenal um, um over Thomas Pate, even simply for the simple reason that. You know, he's younger than Partey. Yes, Pate is a brilliant player, and I'm a big fan of, but Locatelli is a younger version of Pate. and um, he carries the ball well. Um he he's a sort of like a pass master. Um he sort of like helps control the tempo of Sassuolo. Um that's why they like to dominate possession. He's a sort of like complete central midfielder. I'd recommend him to any team, even Manchester United, given how um Pogba um Pogba's future is under a lot of like um scrutiny um we don't know if he's going to extend his stay we don't know if he's gonna leave but he continued to show how good he was and I was thoroughly impressed by him.
4: Okay only so, thing uh, I'd like to add sorry yeah. sorry only thing I'd like to add I think um I, I personally didn't watch the match, but I did look at the highlights, and I think they really missed uh, Francesco Caputo. So, so uh, yeah, for true, 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 true. So, even I was, I was, I was not expecting it to win. Personally, I was hoping for Sassuolo solo shocks that they really show that they intent on uh, going for European places this this season. Yeah. But I think it was a bit too much for the young striker that they did uh, uh, line up with. So Caputo Um, could have changed the
3: eighteen-year-old Raspadoli. Raspadori, Raspadori, sorry. Yeah. So um,
4: yeah, I was disappointed um, because I was I was expecting it to be a goal first because Sassuolo are very. I like Liverpool, the very first time Klopp came to Liverpool or the Liverpool for 17 18, where you could easily end up with uh, games which are high scoring. So,
2: yes.
4: yeah. Okay, so
0: um, on to the the next uh, club with Man United rejects Roma, the match had, they had a very different result up against Napoli. Uh, Napoli, of course, who were mourning the, the loss of their greatest ever player, Diego Maradona. Um, they, they pretty much gave him a send-off, which was beautiful to see. Um, Insigne with a beautiful free kick in the 31st minute. Um, Fabian Ruiz in the 64th minute made it 2-0. Uh, Dries Martins and Politano also got on the score sheet. Uh Dries Martins, who is of course the top scorer at Napoli, he he overtook Maradona a few years back. And I remember he he said that um if if anyone put in the same sentence as you, like he wouldn't accept it. And I think it's it's really nice of him to be honest. So um Napoli they dominated the game. They had 55 percent possession. Um they, of course, had more shots, uh, 14 shots to eight, eight on target to one. And Napoli had a 2.06 XG up against Roma's 0.31. And to be honest, um, I expected better from Roma best, based on, on how they've, they played throughout the season, especially okay. with guys like Mkhitaryan, who has been on fire. So, um, Phil, uh, you you have a keen interest in the A. What happened in this match?
4: Um, it's something I've noticed over time, but I, I I never expected Roma to win. For the sole reason that Diego Maradona unfortunately passed away, um, it seems to be at almost like a trend, and I. Like, not a trend, but something just happens where teams are galvanized when a former player, and especially a player as prominent and influential as Maradona passes away. We saw it in Barcelona thumping Osasuna. We even saw it last night when Fulham um, beat Leicester when Pape Pape Dio, unfortunately, also passed away. So, For the sole reason of Maradona, I felt like Roma aren't going to overcome such a result of just coming and trying to beat a team so emboldened and motivated to uh, represent their greatest player in the best way possible. But I feel as if now in the tactical side, um, the way Napoli lined up was more of a counter-attacking team because uh, of how instead of going for 2-3-1 as they normally do they went with four three three, 3 with uh, Zilinski coming in for uh, I mean Degodema coming in for Bakayoko and then Zilinski slotting in as the third CM so Roma found it hard to uh, break down uh, Zheko had a poor game for Roma and it was kind of interesting how he was subbed off for another winger then Another striker came in, so that also played a part in as to why Roma uh, lost. But more important, I, I think the the person to blame the most was Antonio Mirante, the Roma yeah. keeper. I think he had a bad game with uh, costly mistakes. The the free kick he should have easily saved. It's not something. Uh, it's almost like the the hair situation, but worse. When yeah, definitely. Because it's way way off the um, way way more to the side than would 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 process free kick, and he still considered. Also, the mistake that led to. Um, whose goal? Martin's goal. That was also yeah, him. So, uh, as a whole, I think that 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 culminated in Napoli winning the game, but. Uh, rest in peace to Diego Maradona, and I'm. Um, I was pretty. I was happy that Napoli did him
2: proud.
0: Yeah, definitely, and the result means that Napoli are now in fifth place, actually, um, only behind Juve on one goal difference. Um, with seventeen points, Juve have seventeen. Sassuolo have eighteen inter have 18 and ac are just flying they have 23 a portion of this podcast where we'll be talking about the syria title race and who we think will will be posted on the touchline maniacs youtube channel thank you uh uh, so, so, so we love to end it there uh thank you so much guys for coming on uh we'll see you people next week
4: goodbye love you guys cheers